0: So let's tune into Black Cyber, the number one, the number one podcast to jumpstart, sustain, and catapult African Americans' career in a cybersecurity. Black Cyber, securing our place in
1: the industry. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Black Cyber Podcast. I'm your host, George McPherson. Today's guest is the one and only Michael A. Echoes, a senior cybersecurity executive, speaker, and author. Michael, welcome to the show. Thank you, sir. So, Michael, uh, we're just going to get right into it. For those who are not familiar, can you break down some of your uh, your experience in cybersecurity?
0: Sure. Well, for me, it all began as a... Um young man coming out of college with a criminal justice degree and a hankering to get into technology, uh, worked for a long distance company. And back then we would get on what they called a blackboard and we would track people who were stealing, uh, phone codes. Uh, That was the, (laughs) that was the big thing of the day. And as time went on, um, went on to work in operation centers for MCI, um, AT&T, and then eventually building networks for NEC. And uh, 9-11 hit, and I ended up uh, at TSA, working for the government. And from that experience, I was able to combine uh, some work that I was doing to uh, thwart terrorists with uh, the technology piece, and that's how I came about uh, rolling into
1: the cybersecurity world gotcha gotcha yeah um man you kind of have a i wouldn't say similar path, but I worked in telecom myself before getting into uh cyber security mhm, yeah I remember when uh nine eleven happened I was a uh, telephone man was under a house, and I came in and I was talking to the customer, and we saw it on t v and it was just like, what is going on mm-hmm. yeah, um so, Michael, tell us about your past volunteer work as the founder of the Training Resilient Youth Program. I found so, that interesting.
0: Yeah. So, as a as a as a kid, I was um, born in Birmingham, Alabama. I lived in Birmingham, Alabama, uh, till I was probably in in middle school, and then as a high school kid, and we were dirt dirt poor. Okay. As a high school kid, I got a scholarship and went to a high school with very, very rich people, right? Gotcha. So I got to see these two worlds and it became clear to me that um, part of the reason that a lot of kids aren't getting over the hump or don't get the opportunities is because they're just not uh, in a situation where the bridges connect, right? Exactly. There's one side of the bridge, there's another or there's this one thing that they did not tell the kid. And uh, so I tried to create a program to uh, see if we could hack the education system. Gotcha. And so just as a, a side story, I, I had a group of kids at a school, and a lot of these kids were C and D students. And so they would come in on Saturday morning. There was about 35 of them, 40 of them. And one of their teachers also participated. And so I, I, tr- I treat them with a certain level of respect. Um, you know, they were very rambunctious type of kids, probably the same way they were in school. Oh yeah. But it became clear to me that the way that they were being taught was the problem because within eight weeks, these kids, through my system, they knew all the formal names of the parts of their bodies, which they probably would have never learned, right? And we did that yeah, by God. playing Simon Says. Um, They knew how FEMA operates. They knew um, the difference between an earthquake and a hurricane and a tornado and how it affects their community because they were presented with opportunities to see things as problem solving.
1: Gotcha. Oh, man, you bring up an interesting point about that, too, is like when society looks at a person and they kind of look at the behavior, they're looking at that person, but they're not looking at the ev- environment around that person. I mean, not looking at the circumstances that cause those issues. Um, and I, and I grew up in a low income apartment complex, uh, you know, before I went to the military myself and, and you know, that, that you know that complex was torn down. Uh, you know they did the regentrification, um, but yeah, you you make an interesting point. It's just like that mentorship is important and giving back, and like you say, as you kind of got into that program and you dissected what was going on, you saw that there was something wrong with the system.
0: Right, and this this shows me that we can change things quickly we could do a wholesale change. Um, So as my career progressed, I ended up going from being a guy that couldn't get any respect to in 2004, I created Interoperability at the Super Bowl with a a smartphone-like device before we even had smartphones. Okay. And then I still couldn't get any respect. So I started going back to school and getting degrees, and I have a biotechnology masters, and I have an MBA, and all these different types of things. And at the end of all that, I realized that I didn't need any of that, that when they kept telling me I wasn't good enough or I didn't have what I needed, it's a farce. It's a farce. And before long, though, I did all those things. I racked up those expenses. But before long, I was the chair of the communication sector. I did the only uh, risk assessment with government and industry over wireline, wireless, broadband cable and satellite that's ever been done. Uh, Leading some of the, like 60 of the biggest companies in this country who never would have committed to doing something like that because they are afraid they might get regulated. But I was able to use those skills that some of us in an urban community have, right? And apply those in a way that got these people to participate and trust me and what we were trying to achieve. And for that, it led to a lot of of other opportunities. But it took an entrepreneurial spirit, which is the same as what I was teaching those kids, that this, this idea that regardless of what people are trying to do to you, it's not what they do, it's how you respond to
1: it. Exactly. So uh, let me ask you this. That's that's a very, um, that's a great story, by the way. Very um, great story. So when you had that kind of that pivot of, like you said, doing all the right things, overachieving, and then you, you was it a light bulb that went off that kind of made you go in that different direction and say, okay, I can really get things done this way? Or was it by accident or can you explain that?
0: I sure can. So my 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 second book that uh, I'm hoping <laughs> will turn into a movie is uh, called Ghetto Engineering, Leadership. Okay. Now, what ghetto, ghetto Engineering is, it has nothing to do with poor urban. It has to do with the concept of me, the poor boy in Alabama, where we didn't have any money, so we would make our skateboard by putting some wheels on the bottom of a board, right? Yeah. We <laughs> create those things that we needed to have that same level of happiness that other people had. And so this concept of ghetto engineering allowed me to figure out the system and to manipulate the system. So while other people were working five days a week, I was working seven days a week. All they knew is that when they came in on Monday, my stuff was pristine. (laughs) My stuff was way ahead of theirs. Oh, yeah. Right. And they didn't need to understand how I was achieving this. But part of me being able to get there was to get past this thing that a lot of my young sisters and brothers, this issue that they have, where they'll go, they're not paying me for that. And the one thing that I was able to get past is I'm doing this for me and my family and my future. I'm not worried about what somebody's paying me for because I'm going to get mine on the back end. And I can tell you that the system works.
1: Oh, yeah. And Michael, and I thank you for uh, actually, you know, visualizing and telling that story. Because like you said, you you kind of got to see, you kind of got to over-engineer what's going on. Like you said, it, it wasn't about that. It was about providing for your family. And you knew what you had to do. Like That's you right. said, the system isn't quite, I, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. The system isn't quite broken. It's just you kind of got to figure it out. That's right. So, Michael, you you published a uh, recent article during Black History Month called Cyber Diamonds in the Hood. Great title, by the way, especially when I read the article and kind of put it all together. Uh, Can you walk me through your vision behind that article?
0: Sure. So, you know, I I became a, a... cybersecurity director at Department of Homeland Security. One of the organizations that was under us was cyber education. It's now over at NICE program. It's now over at NIST. Yes. But it was previously at the Department of Homeland Security. And one of the things that I quickly realized is that the same recommendations that they had back in 2011 and 12 about cyber education were the same ones that they were putting out in 2018. (laughs) So something's not working. And I also realized that if we are receiving statistics that say that there's a 1.8 million person shortage of cyber professionals by 2022, that means that there is an opportunity to take every eighth grader in the hood around the country, put them in an intensive program, And if they don't become a cyber expert from that training, they're going to become something that's very helpful to this society, this new digital world. Now, it also became clear to me that even though we're going to have this shortage, even though we need those people for national security because everything's becoming digitized, I don't see uh, any kind of expansion of programs across any neighborhoods. And now, the, the, the whole context of this is, on the opposite side, we have um, this threat to the nation because we're going to have a shortage. On the opposite side, we've got a bunch of people who aren't getting what they need to ultimately become taxpayers, which is good for everybody.
1: That was the genesis of the article
0: Yes, what is really
1: going on here? Gotcha. Gotcha. Let me see if I can actually. So I, I want to take a paragraph out of that article. I'm going to read that. Uh, You said, we only need to look at our past to plot a compelling vision for the future. Black Americans and poor people have impacted every aspect of our health and wellness. The contributions to various wars and the society changing inventions define our nature, nation. These achievements were instrumental to prosperity and American modernization across the most challenging time in our young history. Um, can you, can you ex- I, I got a lot of, out of that paragraph. Can you, can sure. you explain that part too?
0: We have people who were former slaves who are inventing manufacturing techniques. We have carvers and we have people who are making adjustments to the new uh, traffic light system, which changes transportation. There are people who created um, approaches to military science And these people are doing these things while they're under stress, while they're under the duress of being black people in America. Right. And part of the reason that they were able to achieve these things is because of their experience. One of the issues that we have right now is that um, a lot of the people who are sort of moving through the system in cybersecurity and they're thought of as the, people you've got to have on your staff, they may be great at math, but they couldn't tell you the three or four threat vectors that somebody might use to uh, fish somebody or whale somebody or, you know, uh, essentially pull a con, which is what probably 80% of cybersecurity is just a con game. Right? Oh, yeah. And these people don't have those experiences. And my point is, in the same way that historically our people have been able to bring their experience to the fight, these kids in the city and in the hood who've seen things that we never have wanted to see, if you steer them in the right direction, they would become national treasures.
1: Exactly. Um, it's like, You can have the technical book smarts, but what about the technical street smarts? It's missing. Go ahead. It's missing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Michael, I understand you have a new book on Amazon called Secure Cyber Life. The government is not coming to save you. Can you tell us about that?
0: Sure. This book was written because I had the opportunity to see behind the curtain. And as I go out and do national and international speaking, it becomes clear to me, especially in this country, that people have this idea that the government has some kind of national firewall or there's some kind of thing that protects them. And one of the things I try to get people to understand is that the government's biggest concern is protecting the government's networks, which they have a hard time doing. The second part of that is protecting critical infrastructure. And I try to get people to understand that a lot of the systems that advertisers and legal businesses use are the same techniques that hackers are using. And if Congress was to do what they should do in tightening up our system, our digital lives, then it would affect a lot of the people who fund their campaigns. So we've got these interesting dynamics that are going on all around us. And although people just think these things happen, I think it's, it should be an imperative that they figure out what's going on in their digital life so they can protect themselves and their family. I liken it all to the coronavirus thing right now. Right now we're seeing how the government is falling down, right? People have to shelter in place. That means that you pretty much are taking care of your own family in your own home, right? Can you imagine if this same equal type of thing happened to our digital systems? Oh, wow. Oh, wow. That's right. <laughs> oh, wow. There is no one to help you. If you're a wealthy person or a person of status, you can probably afford to get some help. If you lose your identity, you can probably pay to get something done. But for the average person, there is no relief. There is no Social Security Administration for cyber. There is no FEMA for cyber. You are on your own.
1: Exactly. That's why we gotta be educated on every front, not just professionals. Um, like you said, just as citizens, um, to be educated on the cyber side. Cause like you said, is If it if if it happens like that is we're all gonna be at a disadvantage, like you say, unless you have the funds or the means to be okay.
0: I mean, let's look at right now, even the bill that just came out, yeah, they're going to provide some funds for people, right? But they literally are bailing out major corporations and rich people. If this is a great experiment, right? Because if this happened with cyber and with systems and networks and uh most people would be kind of out in the cold.
1: Yeah. Exactly. It's it's scary to think about. Mm-hmm. So uh Michael, what do you want your followers to know about know about you that they don't already know? Like I know you've you've had a long career uh made a big impact in the cybersecurity industry. Uh, you've been a huge mentor Um, but what would you like to say on, on this podcast that you haven't, that maybe you haven't said before?
0: Uh, essentially I'm leading a revolution and part of that revolution is trying to mature cybersecurity. So I'm working, um, doing research and development. I'm working with how do we do better cyber threat information sharing. I'm pressing the government all the time about improving um, programs and how things are done. And I call out the private sector. Um, That's one side of it. The other side of it is, this is that one great opportunity in life that minorities have to change uh, their economic status. Um, You literally could go down a path right now because we can clearly see where it's leading. And you could have kids within eight years who are making more money than their parents ever made and who could get their families out of a cycle of poverty. Yes, absolutely. Uh, And so that's all a part of the revolution that I'm leading to wake people up. I'm I'm kind of disturbed sometimes that uh, the the view or the the lack of personal research that people are doing and how they're willing to just accept whatever the last soundbite they heard is. And those types of approaches don't get you anything. They don't move you forward in life, right? They just can... They contribute to you existing.
1: And we're not in a position right now where we can just exist. Exactly. It's about excelling. And like you said, you have to do that extra work. You have to study to excel, not just exist. That's right. Michael, um, I definitely want to, and I know it was short notice. I definitely want to thank you for being on the show with us today. I thank you for gracing with your knowledge with your presence um you really dropped some jewels um i really appreciate it this is what this podcast is about this is why i started it um I, I i definitely once again i thank you for being on the show
0: i appreciate it and um i would say to any and all of your listeners um reach out to me on linkedin you you got a question you got Something you're going through, I guarantee you, whatever it is that you're telling me, I've been through it. Right? Oh, yeah. your job, you got all the certifications, you did everything you were supposed to do, and nothing's happening. Those types of things.
1: Good point. You just reminded me, um, Michael. What's some of your social media that that they can reach you at?
0: Sure. Um, on Twitter, it's trydc at trydc. Um, you can get me, uh, uh, Michael Eccles, on uh, LinkedIn. Um, and then I have a blog site, which is uh, com, And you can get the book, Cyber Secure Life, The Government Is Not Coming To Save You, on Amazon.
1: All right. Hey, thank you once again, Michael.
0: Okay, I look forward to further discussions.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for coming to the show, uh, checking out the show. This has been Black Cyber Podcast, securing our place in the industry. Be sure to subscribe to and share the Black Cyber Podcast.